Hey guys, what's going on? It's Derek. We're back on the podcast today. I am super freaking excited. Today we have our first guest and his name is John Main. John is a longtime friend of mine and longtime mentor, still my mentor to this day. John has been coaching for 17 years. He found CrossFit back in 2003. He has taken multiple athletes to the CrossFit Games and to regionals, including Christy Phillips-Atkins, who went for eight consecutive years at one point. John is also a master at the craft of coaching. He was on CrossFit seminar staff for three years. The dude has a wealth of knowledge that he shares just a little bit of it with us today. Hopefully, we'll have him on the podcast multiple times, and we'll be able to continue to discuss and to learn from him, but I am super freaking excited. I cannot wait to get in this thing, and you guys are going to see why both John and I support this one evolution per day, one workout per day approach that CrossFit has supported since the beginning. And again, I just cannot wait. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. I am super excited today. We have our first guest on the show, and this guy is someone who completely transformed my career, put me where I'm at now in terms of all of my knowledge, skills, and abilities when it comes to coaching, and is still to this day my mentor, and super pumped to have him here. And his name is John Main, and he's going to fill us in on who he is, what he does, why he does it. So, John, go ahead and take it away. Thanks, Steve. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Of um, course. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm a CrossFit coach. I'm a CrossFit level four coach. I discovered CrossFit in 2003, not too long after I started my personal training career in Washington, D.C. at a Washington sports club in Northern Virginia. Uh, moved from there to a Gold's Gym where I uh, found a friend, uh, Melody Feldman, to do CrossFit with. She uh, and I ultimately opened a gym, CrossFit MPH, in downtown D.C., and uh, that in 2009 was you know, really the beginning of my CrossFit coaching journey. Um, I've been very fortunate in my career to train um, athletes and individuals of all backgrounds from kids and seniors to military and professional athletes. Um, and I do it because I love it. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, easy to say that, um, helping people is, is it, is the reason I think a lot of us, um, get into this business. And certainly that was part of the reason why I started coaching years ago. Um, but really at the time and still today, I believe that I'm on the right side of healthcare. You know, in college I had wanted to go to medical school. I studied physiology and neurobiology. Um, and, uh, I wanted to be a doctor, a medical doctor. And I forgot you wanted to do that. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I'm, uh, I'm glad I didn't because I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that I would have been happy doing that. And I don't know that 
Um, I could have affected as much change as I've been able to do um, over the years by working with people in the gym setting, giving them uh, their health and uh, functionality through CrossFit. Yeah. I mean, you could have been Danny Ucero before Danny Ucero and Jolie took over the market. <laughs> I could have been. Uh, but at that time, you know, I probably just would have ended up working in a private practice or a hospital somewhere. I don't think we knew nearly as much then about um, fitness and health and functional medicine as we do now. So um, I might have just disappeared into uh, modern healthcare. <laughs> yeah, you'd have been old and gray and had some good-looking PA that came and took care of all your patients, and you'd have been set. Yeah, it would have been a different <laughs> life for sure. Uh, instead of you know board shorts and vans and uh, you know you're still rocking squats. vans. Oh, absolutely! I live in California, so it's it's a must. You don't wear nanos or mecons or nobles or. <laughs> I do, I do. Uh, nanos are, are my go-to these days. What do you think of the I'm Nano Nine? Well, I actually just got a pair a couple of weeks ago. Do you like and them? I do. I do. I like it a lot. Um, it's lighter, more flexible, lots of room in the forefoot. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I like it. I tried I, a pair on. You know, I felt like it was previous. inverting my foot. That it was inverting your foot? Yeah, I felt like my foot was literally, or not inverting, everting it would be. Everting Ever, my foot. Yeah. 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 Oh, no. I, I like them a lot. So far, so good. I just up. bought a pair of Metcon 5s. And dude, I'm not going to lie, it's like my favorite training shoe ever. See, the problem with the Metcons are, well, there, there are multiple problems. But the main <laughs> problem is this is this insole uh, footbed situation that rubs and squeaks every no, time. So you... they've fixed that. Are you sure they because... claim they claim that they have? Well, do your five squeak? Well, I just got them, so not yet. Okay. Because every right, other so pair we'll... I've ever had, it took a couple months. <laughs> All right. So we'll talk again in a couple of months. And exactly. We'll squeaks... do a whole episode on uh, <laughs> CrossFit shoe reviews. Oh, that's you know, it happens to be my other specialty beyond coaching is shoes and more specifically CrossFit shoes. So just uh, shitting yeah, on we'll... brands. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> just shitting on all the brands out there. Yeah. All the problems yeah, that all of them have. Much. Yeah. I, I need my own shoe company. I need my own shoe deal. Have you heard uh, of a uh, strike movement? Yeah. Dude, I loved the pace. I thought it was the best training shoe of all time. Then Strike goes out, changes all their sizings. Now a 10.5 is too small and 11 is too big. I need like a 10 and 3 quarters and they don't have it. Oh man, that's awfully it particular. Crushed Are you... I know, it crushed my soul. But it's like the Are jump you... from the half sizes is too big of a jump. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean... It's like if you took a 10 and tried it on and then put an 11 on. That's the difference. Wow, that's a pretty big difference. Yeah, I don't know if my foot's just weird, but it... It uh, it hurt. Maybe if you were fitter, your feet would fit the shoe. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, like that's probably what they do. They make them for people that are way fitter than me. It's too too soon to start throwing shade. No, we can do that the whole episode here. All right, oh. well, let's not get too far off track. Let's <laughs> let's dial this back in. So, uh, I want to go back to what you said 
about getting why you got into to CrossFit and more specifically coaching, because I think what you mentioned is definitely what you hear all the time. Anytime somebody gets asked that question, the immediate answer is to help people, which I think we all want to do in some capacity. I think some that is a more more of a driving factor than others. But um, I think what you were hinting at or maybe what the point that you made was you also just love the craft of coaching. Like you love teaching people how to move their body. Yeah, I, I think that's that's right and and, and well said um, because, you know, at least over the years, certainly as I made mistakes, learned from those mistakes and did the work to become a better teacher, teaching and teaching today is, I mean, if it wasn't the reason that I started coaching or that I knew um, it was the reason why I started coaching, it's the reason I continue to coach. It's the opportunity to uh, to, to teach, um, to teach health, to teach fitness, to teach movement, to teach lifestyle, um, to teach community. And um, so, yeah, I, I, it's teaching and through CrossFit in particular, being able to affect a large change by working with people in the group setting. I uh, came up through private training, one on one mostly, and that was influential in a few different ways. But you know, really, that experience helped me cut my teeth on communicating and uh, and and cueing and seeing movement, and so earning those reps early on in that one-on-one -on -one environment uh, made the transition to the group setting much easier and ultimately uh, much more fun, much more enjoyable for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to say before you <clears throat> you said it was, or if you didn't say it, I was going to chime in is I think personal training is huge. Obviously, we talk about it all the time of like seeing and identifying correcting movement, but it teaches you how to talk to people. Like a lot of coaches that I've seen have no idea how to hold a conversation with one person, let alone a group and like actually command that group and engage in conversation, even if it's with multiple people throughout a group class. And I think that's a, that's a huge skill. And we used to say, Ashley and I used to say like everyone should be in food service or like wait tables for that exact reason too. Cause it teaches you how to engage and talk with people and like handle different situations. Oh, definitely. I, I, you know, I've often talked to new trainers or um, younger trainers, and the, the piece of advice that I give, you know, I think at least as often as any other, um, is to get in front of people in a one-on-one -on -one setting. It's less to manage for that trainer or that coach. It's an opportunity, as you said, to uh, start developing some communication skills, learning how to talk to people um, so that, you know, in the group setting, when you're managing multiple people at the same time, you've had, you've covered some of that ground, especially in seeing, correcting and cueing movement, Yeah, which for coaches to just jump right into a large group setting um, or, or even a small group setting without that background or without that experience becomes 
uh, much harder to do. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, with kind of going along with that and then connecting it to, you know, becoming a better coach and developing those skills, did you have any mentors as you were getting into CrossFit or even into personal training prior to, prior to CrossFit? And are any of those people still in your life now or how did they influence you? And just kind of give us a synopsis of that. Cause I think mentorship's extremely important and we'll get into that later with, uh, with me and you. Yeah. Um, I, I did not, I, I didn't have a single mentor when I started coaching. Um, and it wasn't until years later when I started working for CrossFit HQ on seminar staff and through their mentorship program that, um, that I did begin to interact with, um, more experienced trainers, trainers period, who would ultimately influence my coaching in some pretty profound ways. But when I started training my, you know, mentors, so to speak, were, uh, you know, fitness personalities or training personalities. So, uh, Pavel and, um, you know, some of the, some of the early books that he had put out Ross animate and his, um, body weight, um, uh, uh, martial art and boxing conditioning, uh, Stu Smith and his Navy SEAL program. And then ultimately Greg Glassman. And when I found CrossFit, uh, as I said, in 2003, I read everything I could get my hands on uh, by coach Glassman and, and those journal articles, those early videos were the closest thing to mentorship that I had. And so in that time I was doing everything I could to, uh, to emulate him, to emulate coach Glassman or, um, as seminar videos began coming out and, uh, seeing videos of Dave Castro and Andy Stump, um, the, and Pat Sherwood, uh, those Boss. examples. Yeah. Uh, man, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those, uh, you know, those were, uh, more influential than anything I'd come across previously and, and really set the stage for my coaching, uh, for, for the uh, years to come. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Uh, I think number one, it speaks to, you know, like growth mindset and the willingness to put in the work and do the research on your own. And, and it takes, I think a different kind of passion for it to be able to watch a video or read an article and then try to then disseminate that information and translate that information and run it through your own voice and then, you know, display that in whether it's a one-on-one setting or group setting. And I started relatively similar until I had met you. There wasn't really, cause I didn't find CrossFit until 2012, but even at that time, you know, instructional videos, like, you know, educational content still wasn't anywhere near what it is now. And there wasn't even a CrossFit gym within four hours of where I was going to school. So it was very much learn the movements on your own. You know, I watched, just like you said, I watched every single Greg Glassman video I could find, read all those articles from 2002 and three. And, uh, just like, like you said, put me on a track to where I thought I was on the better side of health, fitness, and wellness compared to what exercise science and, uh, you know, ACSM and NSCA were telling me to be. Oh, definitely. I mean, it was, it was a rallying cry first and foremost. And at, at the time I was still in the commercial gym setting. I was at uh, a gold's gym in downtown Washington, DC. And, um, you know, just sort of 
surrounded by that commercial gym, uh, you know, bodybuilding culture, so to speak. And to, to have those words, to have those articles and, and videos in the early going in the absence of a real live mentor, um, you know, gave me, gave, gave me plenty of reason to follow the CrossFit path and, um, learn as much as I could. And, um, I'm very grateful for that experience though. I could have used a mentor for sure <laughs> for a, n- a number of reasons. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, at least in those days, there was so much that, that we didn't know or that I didn't know about, uh, about training, about programming, about communicating, about, um, how to talk to people, how to motivate people, um, the entire psychological even, side of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, um, you know, poor Mel, uh, as I mentioned, you know, she, she and I opened MPH together. Uh, but when we were working at Gold's gym and when I first, uh, showed her CrossFit, she had a, a martial arts background. She was a national champion in uh, Taekwondo, I think. And, so I just really took that opportunity to write workouts that I thought would crush her. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. As if, as if that was the goal of the workout. It wasn't, wasn't just training. I wanted to see, you know, push the physiological how... limits. Oh, absolutely. Because CrossFit was pushing the, pushing those limits for me. I mean, I remember my first Fran. Uh, was that your first workout? No, my first workout was Linda before Linda oh, had wow. a name. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, July fifth, two thousand three. I remember. Holy shit! Um, you have a date. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, re- I remember that day. Um, you know, I had just put in a search on. Uh, I, mean, I don't. I don't even know that Google was around at the time. It's probably it probably uh, like Yahoo or AOL, or or like Metacrawl or something really, really old. You're so old. I don't even know what that is. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was really into what the military was doing for fitness in particular. Um, and I was you know, real big into body weight training and calisthenics. So um, those were some of my search terms. And that led me to CrossFit. And I got onto the main side. I, you know, took a look through it. And uh, I remember that first workout, Linda, it, it took me 52 minutes I was going to um, say it had to be close to an hour. Oh my gosh. It was, uh, and it was horrendous. Cause I didn't know, I didn't know what a clean was, you, you know, then I, I could barely deadlift without, uh, I'm sure without, you know, rounding my back or, or something else atrocious. So, you know, the only thing that was, I saw bench press. And I think I was like, Oh, okay, this is great. I can do this. Yeah. Well, all the movements probably looked familiar and approachable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Deadlift, bench press, clean. Yeah. Uh, what, what could go wrong? Well, I mean, <laughs> nothing, nothing went wrong. It just, it just took an hour. At, the, at that point, had they, had they prescribed the, uh, the percentages of body weight with it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They had, I don't, I don't remember what weights I used, but I don't yeah. think it was anywhere close to <laughs> the, the prescription, especially yeah. for the clean. I remember there was this guy that, um, who was an Olympic lifter and, you know, he, who was at the gym and he was trying to show me how to clean and, um, it, you know, it was basically just <laughs> bar goes up, <laughs> yeah. bar goes up, bar goes up, ground to shoulder. Uh, and then, you know, there may or may not be a squat somewhere in the middle. 
Uh, just, you know, deadlift, reverse curl, front squat. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Awesome. Uh, well, but, I don't want to get too far off on this tangent. I'm going to keep us on track because you know how you and I get. We can just go sure. down rabbit holes for hours. Uh, well, number one, before we move on to the next thing, I wanted to say maybe you'll appreciate this. When we first met, um, we'll get into that story. When we first met, you sent me basically like a zip drive or maybe you gave me a zip drive and I downloaded everything that was on it. And it was like all that shit that you just talked about, like uh, Pavel's original stuff and like all this old school Navy SEAL training. I still have all of that. All those. Oh yeah. yeah. Dude. It's like, (laughs) if you open it up and read it, it's just, it looks archaic. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Cause I still have that stuff too. And you know, I think, you know, I'll often go digging through those files and wonder how much longer I should keep them. But at this point they're, you know, they're part of the story, so they're never going to go away. Yeah. I put them on an external drive and it just sits in my drawer and I'll always have them. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible, man. I appreciate you keeping those. Oh, but all right. Anyway, (laughs) help me out on the timeline here because I want to keep us moving along with the, uh, you, you opened MPH. Did you Mm -hmm. meet, uh, Christy, one of your athletes before or after that? And then also, was seminar staff before MPH, after MPH? Uh, well, Christy was before, seminar staff was after. Okay. Um, so yeah, I met, I met uh, Christy, Christy Phillips, at, Phillips Adkins um, at Gold's Gym. I was working as the fitness manager there at the time, and she, I think, had just graduated from George Washington University and applied for a job there as a personal trainer. Um, so uh, Mel and I uh, sort of tag team that interview process and ultimately hired her for a job as a trainer, introduced her to CrossFit and in that setting. And, and, and yeah, the rest, the rest is history. <laughs> um, eight, well, for anyone listening, later. anyone listening, cause not everybody has been around long enough. Uh, Christy, how many times did she go to the games? Nine, ten, uh, eight, I believe. Okay, seven eight. as I knew it was somewhere. Individual high. one as team, yeah. Okay, so phenomenal athlete. Like I've got to meet her a couple of times. Awesome individual. Uh, but that will kind of to give everybody the context. That's going to segue us into our our programming conversation here in a minute. But I just kind of wanted to give some context for those people that were thinking, "Who the hell is you know Christy?" But so you met Christy, introduced her to CrossFit, yep. that all happened. And then did you all three go to MPH or how did that transition occur? Yeah. Uh, so when Mel and I were leaving Gold's and opening MPH, Christy, I think, was uh, was able to, to work out at another uh, gym in town for a little while. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, Christy came over to MPH and... Um, joined our our classes first, and you know, then we began games training from there. Because at that time, you know, we we opened in I think July 2009, uh, which was just about the time that Chrissy was competing in her first CrossFit Games in 2009. Um, so yeah, Chrissy was one of the original members at yeah. NPH, and uh, and yeah, seminar staff came about later on, um, late 2012, I think is when I started, um, interning. And you opened MPH in 2009? 
in 2009. Okay. Right. Um, uh, but by 2012, I had already moved out to California for the first time, uh, which is how I came across seminar staff. Got it. And then when you came across seminar staff, was it through, uh, one of the other seminars that they had given and you were there or was it something that because they started producing some content, you had kind of got a taste of what was going on and had a contact and, and went about it that way or what, what's that story? Um, I actually, you know, was looking for a CrossFit gym, um, you know, being new to San Francisco, I didn't really know anyone and, um, you know, knew that, you know, CrossFit is aside from needing a place to work out was going to introduce me to a lot of folks in the area. So I searched for affiliates, came across an affiliate called arena ready, um, with, which is, is run by, um, Sarah, I think, well, Sarah hopping then Sarah Estrella now and, and her husband, Rob and Sarah was on seminar staff at that time. And so when I first went into the gym and introduced myself and gave a little bit of my background, Sarah said, Oh gosh, you should, um, you should try for seminar staff and, and reach out to, uh, Dave and Nicole, Dave Castro and Nicole Carroll. So I did. Um, it was really, it was Sarah who, uh, even turned me on to the opportunity of staff. That's awesome. And then how long were you with someone, our staff? About three years, I think. Yeah. Nice. Solid. Uh, and then in that, cause you had mentioned prior to that, you really didn't have a lot of mentorship or, or guidance in the sense of, you know, how to how to improve upon the craft and improve your skills and your knowledge. And so when you were on staff and you got a little taste of that, was there anyone in particular that, you know, you felt really helped develop you to the point you're at now, or was there anyone that was more influential in, in that journey or was it just a combination of everybody's, you know, everybody's voice and everybody's knowledge? Well, I think it's, it was absolutely a combination of, of, uh, the entire, um, sort of staff and um, and and the ethos of of staff and um, you know our, the the job every weekend to go out and um, as you know they they maybe still uh, rally around today educate inspire and entertain um, and so having the opportunity to be exposed to world class coaches you know weekend after weekend impacted my coaching and, and motivated me to become a better coach in a really profound way. Um, I think if there's one individual who stands out above the rest, it's Chuck Carswell, uh, Chuck, you know, being, um, one of the oldest of old school CrossFitters. He just did his 500th seminar. Did you hear about that? Uh, no, I hadn't, I hadn't heard about that. That's incredible. I, yeah. I just listened to a, a podcast the other day and I think it was Jason Ackerman that said he was within the next couple of weeks. This was a while ago. I listened to it that he was going to hit his 500th. Wow. That's a, that's a monumental accomplishment and, and just, you know, credit to not to, to Chuck's commitment to the work that he puts in week after week. Um, you know, he's, he's such an important voice for the community and for CrossFit in general. Um, and it's, you know, I'm just glad he's out there still doing them. Um, you know, but Chuck, you know, I remember because 
I had gone through the old level two uh, process, which is which, now the level four, right? Which is now the level four, um, or at least you know, will be. I think some significant significant elements of it are related to the level four. But at, at that time, you know, between two thousand eight and two thousand ten, the level two was really a trial by fire. Um, That's exactly what I just heard the other day. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah, this, that exact podcast, they were talking about how the level two was just this, like, just slaughterhouse. Oh, I, I think that's 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 putting it nicely. I mean, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it really was. I, I I will never forget my level two experience in Morse, uh, not Morse, was it Morristown, New Jersey? I think so. Um, it was it was in New Jersey somewhere, um, but it might be the staff there was Adrian Bosman, um, Todd and Chuck and Todd Widman or Whitman. Yeah. Whitman, Todd yeah. Whitman. Yeah. Um, and you know, the day one, uh, you know, leaving day one where we had an opportunity to work with the group and begin to, uh, you know, practice, if not even refine some of our progressions, I left day one, went back to the hotel room. Um, I remember calling Melody and just, you know, just being just distraught, thinking I was the worst coach ever, that I had no business being at this level two and that there was no way I was going to pass this thing. Um, I just felt like such a fraud because, <laughs> because oh, God. Of, of the, uh, you know, I mean, Boz and, and Todd and Chuck I just can't even imagine they, based off of those three guys alone. Oh, I mean, just tremendous coaches and, and the level of feedback that they were giving us, the participants, at least for me, wasn't like anything that I had received before. You know, it was, I was you know, very much coaching in a bubble, whether that, you know, was the personal training prior to that or, you know, even the early days of MPH. I didn't, you know, I wasn't getting, getting feedback or, or, um, you know, corrections from anyone on my coaching and teaching abilities. So to not just have that feedback, but the fire hose of that feedback from the old level two was, was really overwhelming, but excellent. And so I, I studied my progressions that night, went back in the next day and was fortunate enough to, to put together a performance that, that passed me. But um, all that to say, I emailed Chuck after that experience uh, and just, you know, thanked him, thanked him for the opportunity, thanked him for his feedback and, you know, told him a little bit about what was happening with MPH. And, um, he wrote me right back and, um, you know, I remember him sharing uh, one of coach Glassman's ideas from, you know, the early days, you're know, doing um, all the right things for all the right people mm -hmm. for all the right reasons. And, um, so, so Chuck was a, was an early voice. He was also at my level one. Um, in Virginia Beach a couple oh, okay. of years prior to that. Um, but then he actually became you know, my direct mentor uh, on staff. And uh, aside from being able to work with him closely, he was just someone that I really uh, previously and you know, prior to that point, I just wanted to emulate. I wanted to be exactly like him. I wanted to, um, you know, not just have his skills as a coach, but his speaking skills, his flow, like his entire demeanor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just just really wanted to, wanted to be like Chuck. <laughs> I mean, he's a beast, so that's a good, yeah. it's an awesome uh, mentor and someone to look up to. But 
Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I've heard horror stories of the the original level two. So good for you for passing that. <laughs> that says something. Thanks. 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 Uh, um, uh, yeah. Well, then let's let's fast forward a little bit to keep us on track. After after all that, you're on seminar staff. You're traveling. Um, you know, at this time, you're not you're no longer at MPH, correct? Right. Right. And right. so then we'll we'll kind of skip to what was it 2013 when we both ended up at Reebok yeah yeah so and we can talk a little bit maybe about how you ended up there how I ended up there and then really where our relationship started and that will hopefully lead us into the the bulk of this this podcast which would be talking about you know fitness programming yeah well you were there first you you um you were Reebok just before I was right yeah so I got there I remember, well, yeah, so I think I got there in, might have been May, and it, it's possible it could have been earlier than that, but I think it was May 2013. I was just an intern. Like, I literally didn't know jack shit about shit. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> literally before that experience, my, my coaching experience was, you know, working one-on-one -on -one with one client. That's, that's it. That's all I had, personal training with one client for three months didn't have a damn clue what I was doing. I Googled best CrossFit gym when I was still in school. Reebok CrossFit one pops up. I just emailed Jared Davis, who at the time was working there. Six weeks later, he emails me back and says I should come down for an interview. And that, you know, the rest was history from there. But that's how I ended up there. And I'll never forget when I went to interview, I walk in, you know, like Austin's in there and and uh, Jared's on the floor and they've got all these, you know, all the coaches are there and Jared pulls me aside and we go in the back and it was like, you know, they had that giant round table. You remember that thing? Like nights at the round table. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, he sits me down. He, he asked me maybe like one normal interview question. And then he's like, all right, hit me. What are your benchmarks? And he just starts writing down my friend, <laughs> my Diane, my, you know, my, uh, what else did he write down? Grace, Helen, deadlift max, you know, like pretty much anything you could think of. He wrote all oh. of those down. Wow. Like, <laughs> and not like on a piece of paper on the whiteboard up in front of me. Like, like it was some kind of examination. <laughs> and, well, you were either going to be, yeah, you, he was either, you know, going to be impressed by your numbers or, he well, so I was, you, you know, I'm obviously how... shitting my pants at this point. Cause I'm like, I've never done CrossFit in a box before, like in a, in a CrossFit gym. I've only right. ever trained by myself. You know, everything I learned was through YouTube and he, I'm rattling off these stats. And I remember I got to Fran and he said, what's your Fran time? And I said, 3.03. And I remember he stopped. He looked at me and he, you know, nodded his head <laughs> in approval. And then that was kind of like the end of the session. I think he was just waiting for some kind of, uh, some kind of time that he could say, okay, that's, that's fair. <laughs> And 303 was the mark, huh? I, wow. I, I don't know, I guess. That's what I did it in back in the day there. But, you know, that was at a Globo gym. Like, who knows what that looked like? It was probably horrendous. But I mean, anyway, that, that was... pretty fast. <laughs> I, I've never touched that since. Like, the closest I've gotten since then is like 326. But, oh, yeah. uh, and I couldn't even touch that now. But anyway, so that was my experience. And that's how I ended up there. And then, were you there in June? Is that when you showed up? I... Yeah, it was late June, early July, I think, or, or around that time. I was, um, you know, my very first seminar working for CrossFit was in New Zealand. Um, 
And I flew out there from San Francisco and there were just three of us on that gig. And one of the trainers was Denise Thomas and Denise is still at Reebok, I believe. Um, oh yeah. Yep. And you know, Denise is great. She was great then. Um, great now. And, and she reached out to me not long after that, maybe a couple of months after that, or a couple of weeks after that first seminar, um, and essentially asked if I'd be interested in, uh, considering Reeboks. So, um, you know, I of course said yes and worked with her and Austin Maliolo at a seminar in Canada near Montreal, uh, I think. And that is where I met Austin for the first time. Um, we had a chance to catch up a little bit about the opportunity at Reebok, went out there for um, an interview and the opportunity to coach the group and, um, you know, uh, show the team there my coaching abilities. Yeah. And uh, Austin was nice enough to offer me the position. So I hightailed it out of California and and went out to Reebok as quickly as I could. Yeah. And I, I remember being there the day you flew in, like for the interview, because that was, that might've been like, you know, maybe my third or fourth week. I wasn't even coaching yet. I was still just observing classes. And I think, you know, Denise or Austin, one of them mentioned that there's this guy coming in and he was going to interview for a position. And cause I think at the time they were looking for, I think more than one coach, but you were the, one of the first ones to come in. And the only, I think the only reason you and I are friends to this day is because you needed a ride to, <laughs> to, to your hotel or to Austin's, wherever we ended up going that night. We, we went, ended up going to Austin's. We went to his for dinner, right? Yeah. He was having, he was having some coaches over for dinner and, um, yeah, you gave me a ride over there. We got lost in that apartment, uh, in the parking, parking lot. lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, Far too long. I should say you got lost. I was driving. It was yeah, yeah. I was. I didn't have anything to do with that. I hey, it was I dark. Was. I was nervous because you were there. I mean, it's just weird. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was the moment. The rest is uh, history for you and me. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and we've, dude. I can't believe that was that was seven or not. Yeah, seven years ago this summer. Yeah, that's it's crazy. It's been a long time. But anyway, so you were kind enough to sort of take me under your wing from that point. And, uh, I tell people all the time that that was, that was like the pivotal moment for me in terms of coaching. Like if I didn't have you giving me feedback, mentoring me through that entire internship. And then, you know, we obviously then followed each other to New Jersey and then got to work together there and live together there. And that entire, I guess it would have been maybe a year and a half or two year process. Like that was it. I tell everyone that all the time. I'm like, if it was not for those years, I don't know where I'd be in terms of coaching. Cause the, even though you had never been mentored, like you figured out or we figured out a way that it just felt so easy and so natural. And like, I'm, I'll always be grateful for that. Oh, I appreciate that too. I was, I was happy, happy to be there. Happy to be there for you. Happy to be there period. Um, and you know, you were, extremely teachable, really coachable. You wanted to learn, you were interested in feedback and, um, 
And so I was happy to give you as much time as possible. And, you know, we definitely had a lot of time then to sit and talk training and talk coaching. And, um, and that was the point, I think, you know, that, that was definitely the point of stopping through Reebok for me. And I think for a lot of coaches who went through there was to, to level up, to be exposed to some of the world-class coaching that was already there. And, um, and, and raise the level of, of your performance. And so, um, you know, being able to, to, uh, work with you was, you know, not only a great experience in and of itself, but it helped me a lot, um, and developed my teaching and coaching as well. Yeah. And I, you know, I want to say before we move on to the next thing by far, like there were so many great coaches there when I was there. So I don't want to take any credit away or, or do a disservice to any of them because I learned an immense amount of inf- of information and, and skills from everyone. It just so happened that you and I had a connection. We were able to spend a lot of time together. And, you know, I always tell people it was hilarious because it wasn't, there was no structure to it. Like you and I would literally say, hey, you know, like John or hey D, you want to you go throw a ball for an hour and we'll <laughs> we'll talk like, uh, we'll talk what, what I'm trying to think of the terminology here. Like we'll talk uh, muscle action. Like we'll talk origin insertion. <laughs> we'll, you know, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk yeah. like just training adaptation. And it's like, we would just sit there and throw a ball sometimes with the opposite arm, sometimes just like, you know, whatever it was. And that was it. Like, cause people ask me all the time, like how, you know, what should my mentorship be like? Yeah. I'm like, I can't tell you. Cause mine was the most organic natural thing that's like ever happened (laughs) yeah yeah we used to just pick a sport grab grab the ball for that sport go outside or stay in on the turf and start moving it around and and share ideas along the way it was you know probably some of the easiest most you know free free flowing sharing and and teaching i you know will probably ever do. Yeah. I mean, uh, you'll love this. Cause I, I can't even fathom why this is the one, the one thing I can remember from all of those, all of those talks, but in my mind vividly, like vividly. And I don't know if it's because I had this ego of like, Oh, I just came out. Of, I just came out of undergrad. I know all my anatomy and shit, but I remember we were passing the soccer ball once on the turf and we were talking about squatting and we were talking about like muscle, recruitment when squatting and you asked me a question and it was basically you know when you're when you're descending into the bottom of a squat what muscle is keeping your knees abducted or like keeping your hip externally rotated right Mm -hmm. and like instantly I answered I was like oh that's you know those are your it's like your hip adductors it's your TFL yada yada and you're like wrong you're like it's your your you know it's like your adductors I was like, what? And that like stuck in my mind of like, damn it. That was my one chance to like show him what I had. (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to throw your fastball and you ended up throwing it into the dirt. Yeah. I was like, oh, he just threw me like a softball underhand pitch. I'm going to crush this out of the park. Not the case. False. Yeah. Wrong. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Thanks. New guy. Wrong answer. You're probably, you were probably thinking, oh God, what did I get myself into with this guy? Uh, uh, anyway, so continuing on, that was kind of our story, how we met. And then, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we both went to New Jersey. We worked at CrossFit Clue there together. And then eventually we, we went our separate ways. And 
But I think in this, in that entire process of all the time that we worked together, I think eventually we got to the point where we had this one, I don't want to say mutual interest because we had several mutual interests, but in terms of CrossFit, I was super eager to learn about programming and that like, and you were able to provide me a lot of feedback in regards to it to help me understand the method to the madness. You know, you were the one who told me to go back and study crossfit.com and I remember printing off like three months of 2003 and just like going through there and trying to figure it out and then I quickly realized okay they I don't think anyone knew what was going on in 2003 like let's let's fast forward to 2007 maybe or eight and uh but then we got you know that was really the start of what I what I'm still super passionate about and that's creating these workouts and creating these programs to produce the the best adaptation possible. And obviously that's, you know, something that you're passionate about as well. So it was a long road to get here, but we're finally at our, at our main discussion point here. <laughs> programming. Programming. Uh, programming. So let's, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, give no, me your, me first. okay. I'll take it. Um, to keep a, cause I think you can go a million different ways with this conversation. So I want to try to, keep it reeled in somewhat so we're not on here for another you know 90 minutes trying to go down these rabbit holes but in terms of programming let's just start super macro and let's break it into crossfit the training methodology and the what those workouts look like and what that programming looks like versus crossfit the sport being the crossfit games and what those differences are and why it's important to, to understand that. Yeah. Well, you know, CrossFit is a, is a health and fitness program. Um, and by design from the very beginning, uh, I think it's safe to say the goal of the workout, you know, the, the workout of the day is a lighthouse. It's a destination. Um, and, you know, I'm sure we'll get here in a bit talking about class and setup and warmups and skill work. Um, but the goal of CrossFit is to provide a very broad stimulus um, to try to cover as many areas of someone's uh, fitness and functionality as possible to vary that exposure from day to day and workout to workout, occasionally repeating workouts to benchmark to measure your progress. Um, and it's what makes CrossFit effective. Uh, CrossFit, the, the single effort, the workout of the day, not the workouts of the day. Um, and it is very different from games programming. It wasn't always different. Um, certainly in the early days of the games, um, there was a lot that, you know, not only that was there a lot that we didn't know, uh, about preparing for the games. A lot of that came about by trial and error. Um, but you know, of course the sport itself isn't, or, or wasn't what it is today. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, today, the CrossFit Games and games programming has entered the affiliate environment. But, uh, you know, for me, and I don't know, I don't know that, 
you know, there's anyone who shares this opinion other than me. But I think what we see in some gyms today with multiple evolutions, strength and Metcon or multiple Metcons or finishers and after bashes and these, you know, pieces, not just pieces of the training session for the day, but really these are, are pieces meant to um, deliver some intensity to the, to the athlete, to the participant. And I think that, um, I think that began or, or at least was um, encouraged by CrossFit football, which I think it first came, uh, came come around in 2008 and by 2010 was gaining some traction. And, you know, they were the first, I think, free source of CrossFit programming that did uh, the strength and Metcon split. And that became pretty popular, not just for the strength and Metcon split, but because of um, you know, the focus of some of those Metcons, all of a sudden, you know, they were programming you know, conditioning workouts that were sometimes shorter, but almost always heavier. Um, and that I think, you know, fed into some of the culture of today's programming, um, you know, maybe, maybe as much, um, as the games. Yeah, I think so. I think so as well. I remember you showed me CrossFit football, which at the time had just become power athlete HQ, which is that, is that what they still are to this day? Yeah. Yeah. They've since left the CrossFit community. Right. Um, and so, so now they're a power athlete. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I mean, it looked incredibly different from CrossFit.com. And like you said, I think you can, you can mark up the changes in what we see in affiliate programming to that, to the games, to, you know, people not wanting to spend as much time on the fundamentals. I think we'll get into all that, but, um, I like what you said about just general CrossFit programming, the workout of the day. And I don't know if it's because of all the changes that we're seeing in the affiliates or if it's because back in the day you had to do, you know, that's really all there was. It was like CrossFit.com. There weren't all these different outlets and all these different, um, let's say approaches to creating these programs. It was really just, Hey, this is the one effort per day. Uh, do it well, do it at the highest intensity that's relative to your abilities and, you know, see what, see what you got. And there wasn't all of the, there wasn't all of this uh, pressure to do more. And I, you know, maybe I was just fortunate because I caught it just before I caught CrossFit, just before all that started to really, really happen or if it was from working with you, but I find that most people I run into have no, that just, that idea seems so far-fetched to them of just the one effort per day. Like, you know, you get the classic, like, that's it. And, yeah. but it's something that like, I just never understood because I was fortunate enough to, to really see it the way it was intended to be. And that's the way I still program for my athletes now. And I think that's how, I should say for the affiliate now that I work for it versus, you know, someone who might be trying to program, like you said, workouts, plural within a single session. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I mean, I, I can't say with any, any certainty whatsoever, but definitely in the early days of CrossFit, there was not the, uh, the warm up preparation, 
skill uh, that you see today. Um, even though, you know, Coach Glassman, one, one of uh, one of the early journal articles, and I'm you know, paraphrasing here, but he had, he said, you know, that an hour is ample time to warm up, to practice a lift and even build a lift to a heavy number for the day, a heavy single, heavy set of five, whatever it is for the day, to practice a skill and then to work out at intensity. And I think, uh, at least in some of the earlier days of CrossFit, you know, we saw the posted workout of the day on the main side and, and we went after it, you know, head first. Yeah. There wasn't much preparation. There wasn't much warm up. It was this as hard and fast as we can. And, you know, maybe again, I, I don't know for sure, obviously, but you know, maybe that sort of set the stage for this, um, you know, problem, so to speak of coaches trying to fill an hour. Yeah. Um, that's actually a really good point. I never really thought know, maybe, about it that way. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's if the warm up and the skill and some of the coaching elements are, if they're not as tangible or as obvious, or if they weren't uh, during some of those times, then backfilling with more workouts, you know, might have been the easier thing to do. Uh, well, we'll just we'll just add a lift. Well, we'll just add another workout. Well, we'll add this finisher, um, and and fill this time. I mean, certainly the affiliate culture was beginning to change at that point in the U.S., where more boxes were opening up, more people were discovering CrossFit. Um, but the resources, you know, then, you know, were not what they are today by any stretch. And so, ultimately, you know, the some of some of the culture uh, shifted to these multi evolution workouts where the one workout of the day, like you said, looks totally foreign to people. You know, they, you know, they might look at the day's post or look at the whiteboard and have that, have that reaction. Wait, that's it. That's all we were doing. Um, but of course we know now that it's, that's not it. It's not all that we're doing. Um, there's a lot more. And as I said earlier, the workout of the day, whatever, you know, you, the affiliate are posting, or we, the affiliates, I own an affiliate currently, Uprush CrossFit. Um, shout we, out. Yeah, <laughs> shout nice out to the nice affiliate. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the workout is the destination. The path to get there includes so much more. It includes warm-up and, and movement prep and skill practice and preloading, you know, determining your weights and substitutions for the day. And then we culminate in the workout of the day, um, you know, the intensity piece, but there's so much more fitness that's, that is developed or that should be developed at least before that time, you know, and then after afterwards as well, whether, you know, I mean, at that point, adding to your programming, by way of an after bash or, you know, maybe more appropriately a cool down, uh, and some work there, um, to, to, to round out the day's work. Uh, 
you know, it's the picture is much bigger than just the wad. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, I think the way you phrase that is perfect. I might just actually steal that quote and use it on our Instagram. <laughs> I like that. Oh, nice. I like that you're using the workout of the day as the destination because I think that's the biggest thing that's missing or that people don't understand about this whole one evolution per day that I know at least I, I preach that super hard. I mean, every affiliate that I've worked at, when I come there, they're doing, you know, parts A, B, and C. They're doing, they're following comp train or, or warm up and workout or any of these online platforms, NC fit. And, you know, I'm coming in and then basically making it look like crossfit.com. And there's always a period of complete, uh, how do I want to phrase this complete, uh, abrasiveness. Like there's just, nobody wants to buy in. They don't understand. But then like you would just mentioned when they start to realize that, Hey, we're utilizing this hour to number one, warm you up adequately. Meaning we're going to do a general warm up. Then we're going to work on, you know, what some people would call a specific warm up or like what you had mentioned, what I call it a skill. We're going to teach you how to do things well and do things better and refine some of your mechanics and your techniques so that way next time these things do come up you are moving more efficiently you are moving in safer patterns and and all these things and then at the end yeah we're gonna maybe we'll incorporate some additional mobility and flexibility or maybe we had a lot of hip extension that week so we're incorporating some you know post-workout uh core work or whatever it may be but I think that's the part that, that folks don't understand. They just look at the workout of the day. They see that it's something, uh, you know, like today at our gym, we did uh, Diane. So they look at that. They see 2159 deadlift, sand, sand, pushups, and they immediately think, okay, well, that's 10 minutes. Like, what the hell are we going to do for another 45 to 50 minutes? And so right. I think that's, that's just something that I think needs to be preached more often. I think folks like Pat Sherwood do an awesome job with it. Um, but I know it's few and far between. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, as the, as the community continues to grow, um, and as coaches continue to grow up within the field, you know, not, I mean, not grow up in a pejorative way, but, you know, as they gain experience and wisdom and knowledge, um, you know, some of these, uh, stumbling blocks that we see now, in class programming could could very well be overcome um you know but i think good coaching has as much to do with people's perception of the workout of the day or in particular of one workout a day um as anything else you know because if as a coach you address the class, uh, you know, welcome everyone at the start, and then do your absolute best to talk less and move more. Then the perception that, oh, this is all we're doing. It's only one workout of the day. I mean, it's far less of a consideration because people are, are in motion. There's activity, and the workout you know, can then serve its purpose as – as the peak, as the destination, as we said, um, instead of, you, you know, instead of, I, I think, you know, maybe distracting from the larger 
training picture and certainly from the other training elements that are are present or at least should be present in every class yeah absolutely i agree 100 percent. and you know along with that to keep us moving forward here because i think we could dive into an entire rabbit hole of you know getting into what is you know what does effective coaching look like in that one workout per day class and all of those different details but we're sitting here telling folks that, Hey, like this is, this is the way to do it. Or this is at least what you and I believe should be done. And, and the way that CrossFit originally wrote their workouts on the main site. Um, but you know, why, what's the, why, why is it that, you know, one workout a day will produce these positive adaptations in regards to health and fitness? You know, why, why is doing parts A, B and C possibly, counterproductive towards improving health and fitness? Well, I think the short answer um, is that the, the lifestyles of the majority of individuals that we work with don't support more than, you know, what can be reasonably contained in a training session or in a training hour the recovery tools, the training time, the recovery time spent outside of the gym, you know, these, these methods and protocols that certainly games athletes are using today are either not available or, you know, they simply aren't reasonable for the average gym goer, um, you know, who have, you know, much, <laughs> much broader, uh, you know, in some cases anyway, much broader lives to consider their full-time jobs, their families, their, their own nutrition and sleeping and recovery habits. And so when we encounter an environment that's asking an athlete to perform at intensity multiple times in a day, which is really multiple times in an hour, um, you know, that can, that can unravel pretty quickly for, for majority of people that we work with, if not, you know, within the session, then certainly over time. And, you know, I think that's when, you know, we can begin to see, uh, you know, fatigue, burnout, uh, disinterest, um, and just the, you know, the cumulative, cumulative effects of overtraining, um, and, you know, suboptimal recovery. Yeah. I mean, I think you just crushed it, like hit the nail right on the head. Cause those were all similar points to what I was going to add on to, you know, whatever you said or, or chime in there. And I think that's part of the education piece that we as, as coaches who believe in this one workout per day have to figure out an, an education or how to figure out how to educate the clients in an entertaining way. And also, like you said, be concise with it so that they're moving more than they are listening to us talking, but, and maybe it occurs outside of the class, but you know, it's, it's so many, there's so many factors to consider that I don't think people realize impact their performance inside of, of the gym. You know, there's, you don't sleep the same every night and your stress isn't the same every day. And you certainly have significantly more stress going on outside of your life than you think you do. And that has an even greater impact on your body than you think it does. And to just assume that everyday folks who work a nine to five and have all these other obligations can come in and you can peak them three times within one session just is, you know, ridiculous. The, the chance of that occurring are slim to none. And usually what happens to put it 
you know, to, to really just summarize everything or, or condense it is you end up training at moderate intensity across an hour versus training at a high intensity for those 12 to 15 minutes and really garnering some positive adaptations. Yeah, I, I, you know, to me, the appeal to CrossFit for me in the beginning and still today is its simplicity. Um, it's it's minimalism. It's a minimalist program by design. Um, it's I think how the, the brand was built originally. I think it's how the brand was raised. Even if you know elements of um, if there were some some gym elements or coaching elements that took it in a different direction over time, um, and and really beyond that, you know, as a training philosophy, to me, CrossFit has always represented what I believe to be you know true about training, which is giving our clients and our athletes the minimum effective dose. What is you know true the least amount of training that you can provide someone that will garner the greatest adaptation that will produce the greatest results. And, you know, this isn't to say that, you know, we should be training, you know, less, 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 but I think the CrossFit program as it is, is really representative of that. It's an opportunity to build your training around the workout to deliver the workout at a particular intensity, of course, you know, relative to someone's, um, you know, physical and psychological abilities and, and tolerances. But, you know, as, as coaches and trainers in this, in, in, in a group environment, in a CrossFit environment, you know, I think, you know, doing less better, less is more, uh, or as I said a moment ago, you know, delivering the minimum effective dose should really be what drives us you know, day in and day out, class in and class out. Dude, you're just dropping so many nuggets. I'm just going to start writing these quotes down as we go. So then I'm just going to steal them all. <laughs> uh, well, I'll okay. obviously give you credit, but sure. you won't see it because you're never on social media. I'll, ta- I'll tag That's your, true. I'll tag you and it'll, you'll like it six months later when you happen to get on there. <laughs> the, the elusive like yeah 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 uh I, one of those happened a couple months ago i like got a notification and said like you know john main liked your post i posted that thing like four months ago i'm like okay he you know he's on he's alive <laughs> but uh on a more serious yeah. note though i think i think that's the perfect way to say it i think it's the minimum effective dose it's it's realizing that the vast majority of the population needs to do less than what some affiliates are currently requiring them to do that, you know, variance is a positive thing that there's a reason, you know, that there is one workout per day is we can generate greater variance because we're not trying to put a barbell in someone's hand every single day. And there's not multiple pieces within a session that will lead to, redundancies that we don't want, even though there are times that we do want to have redundancies. And it's just a chance to, to, I think, to expose people to more and to make them better humans because we are providing such a broad, you know, a broad set of skills, exercises, movements, whatever you want to call them, that they're then going to be, you know, adequate at over the course of time. Agreed. 
And I think every time we add a workout element to the training day or to a class, we're significantly raising the stakes for the coaches and for the athletes, for the coaches in the teaching and progressions, uh, the seeing and correcting that they're able to accomplish and the athletes in, as we said earlier, their ability to not just not just perform the training, but recover from the training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's huge. People just don't, and obviously not everyone is educated in all of these things, but that's where it's our job to, to help people better understand that, that, you know, we, we don't need to pick up a barbell every day. We don't need to train at an intensity to where we're seeing stars, you know, sizzling in a puddle of our own sweat and, and nearly blacking out afterwards. And that there are times where, you know, doing things for quality are appropriate and necessary and that this is a long game and we're not, you know, we're, we're training for longevity and sustainability. We're not training for immediate results. So, you know, we have to be patient. We have to understand that the method to the madness and, and that's really where, you know, in over the course of time, you're going to become an extremely fit individual through, like you had mentioned, very minimalistic type programming and that's where the you know the magic really is in the entire crossfit program at least in my opinion definitely definitely there's so much there's so much magic in that simplicity um you know that's it it would be a shame to overlook that well awesome well i think we i think we did pretty well there i think we crushed it I think we, we stayed on track. Oh, we didn't dive down any so. wormholes. I mean, <laughs> I, what, what are your thoughts? I thought we did well. Usually these conversations lead to a four-hour phone call. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, you know, we committed to a timeline. I think, you know, that... We're, that, eight, we're seven uh, minutes and 13 this. seconds past. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Well, all we really did was just leave more to talk about for next time. Exactly. I mean... I think there were several topics we could create entire episodes about, so it's it's perfect. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, I appreciate you having being on the show. Like, I can't wait to get our podcast up and running as well. Uh, I think this is just the you know the beginning of what's going to be a large number of conversations over the next you know months and and years, and I think it's going to be amazing. Thanks, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. No problem. Uh, John, what if, what if you happen to be on social media? Do you want anybody to follow you? Like, should we, should we shout out your tags right now? Or do you just want to remain like a recluse and be a mystery to the world? Should we have people follow Uprush? Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uprush Athletics, um, is our affiliates, uh, Instagram handle and, uh, yeah, you know, my own, um, is I've got zero posts on there and, you know, <laughs> some followers who are friends, pretty much nothing going on. And if you request to follow me, there's a high likelihood I'm just going to decline and you'll never know about it. But otherwise it's 307 main. So good luck. <laughs> there you go, guys. Have at it. See if he'll give you, shoot him a DM. Why not? Let's see. Let's see. Let's test him. Let's see what happens. But uh, thanks again, John. It was awesome. And uh, we'll catch you next time.